0: Hi, I'm Brand Faircloth, a partner in the data privacy and cybersecurity practice at Ropes and Gray. And I want to welcome everyone to the latest edition of the Ropes and Gray Tech Studio podcast. In this edition, we have my friend and partner, Megan Baca. Megan is managing partner of our Silicon Valley office and the co-head of Ropes and Gray's intellectual property transactions group. She's also the co-head of the firm's digital health initiative. So she's very busy and just a fantastic attorney. Megan, thanks so much for joining the podcast. I do want to talk to you about your practice because you're such a powerhouse. But before we jump in, who are you? What are the basics?
1: Hi, Fran. Um, I'm so glad to be here today. Thank you so much. So yes, I am a partner in our Silicon Valley office. I previously spent time in our Boston office and our San Francisco office, and I spent my whole career here at Ropes and & Gray, and a little bit about how I got here might make the the conversation make more sense. In college, I really fell in love with computer science. I thought it was just incredibly interesting. I had not, not been exposed to that before college. But I spent several years in college focusing exclusively on computer science, really enjoying that. But on the other hand, I, I always felt like something was a little bit lacking and I started to take some classes that included law and policy and kind of the social element of thinking about how how technology impacts our society. So I decided I wanted to go to law school to marry those interests, thinking I would be a technology attorney. And I did that for for law school. Coming out of law school and joining Ropes & Gray, however, we have a global leading life sciences and healthcare practice. And so as an associate, I got a lot of experience doing large scale, complex pharmaceutical and biotech collaborations for um, drug development, early stage development, later stage development, um, all kinds of different deal structures, but fo- with a focus on intellectual property in the life sciences and healthcare space. So my technology background, I um, yeah, wasn't I wasn't using as heavily during that phase, but then over the last five to 10 years, digital health has become just massive, as we all know, and that sits directly at the intersection of technology and life sciences, and so I've gotten incredibly interested in this space and shaped my practice uh, towards this space and advising a lot of our clients on all of the novel uh, technology and um, transactions happening in this space.
0: Wow, that's really cool. Digital health is such an interesting area, I think, because it sits not just at that intersection of tech and life sciences, but also kind of at the intersection of people existing as a consumer um, and the consumer products kind of idea and medicine. Is uh, that something that you help your clients navigate? Yeah, absolutely. I
1: mean, there is really no definition of digital health, as, <laughs> as you may know, but we all use digital health every day, right? If you log into your apps that ha- goes into your electronic health record to set an appointment for a COVID booster or you have a telemedicine visit when you notably, get COVID and um, need to see your doctor from home um, to you know, all forms of different kinds of personalized medicine. We all wear biometric trackers around voluntarily these days. Um, but there's just also so many other companies behind the scenes using artificial intelligence and data and machine learning to speed up the pace of developing drugs for serious diseases. And, and so it really covers the waterfront. I most recently was talking to someone about using artificial intelligence to create App bots for therapy, and you know, gauging by how the the chat bots work when I'm trying to, you know, settle a question on my my phone bill or something like that, I'm not really that confident that I'm ready to turn my mental health over to a chat bot yet. But anyway, it is just a totally fascinating area that spans consumer products, medicine, and lots and lots of things behind the scenes.
0: Fascinating. Hey, I've been getting also a lot of interest and questions from clients about artificial intelligence, what kind of a- other applications are you seeing there?
1: I've just been working on an article about some of the legal risks in using artificial intelligence in a, in a more um, commercial sense, like in art or content. Uh, we're looking at it from our own perspective, you know, for as a law firm. Like, there are law firms who are starting to use artificial intelligence in developing Um, legal material, which is um, interesting and terrifying all at the same time. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's really everywhere. I'm helping clients who are in the medical imagery space, various types, you know, um, pathology slides or other uh, video from procedures. And you know, frankly, it's it's kind of baffling, like why we're still solely relying on human eyeballs to interpret the data from those sorts of things. And so there are companies working in this space to develop all sorts of algorithms and tools for analyzing this imagery to supplement the human eyes that have been looking at it for, for decades to better diagnose, treat, determine eligibility for clinical trials. So it's really It's fascinating, all the the different areas that this is being used in. I think at this time, honestly, AI is having its first moment, right, in the culture where people are using chat GTP to draft their resignation (laughs) letters or get advice on, you know, how to break up with a girlfriend. It's just, it's, it's really funny how much it's having its moment. And I think at the same time, companies are realizing that they have to be in this game, and that it's basically permeating, you know, every aspect of, of their work. And if they want to keep up, they need to be exploring in this area.
0: This is really fascinating. So how are you seeing this drive deals in this space? Well, the challenging
1: and the interesting thing is that there's really no standard, quote, market terms, you know, in this space yet in deal making. Uh, the types of collaborations that I'm seeing between, say, a an AI um, early stage company with novel technology for drug development or identifying, you know, potential uh, targets of interest with a a big pharma company um, there, there aren't that many deals and that many precedents doing that kind of, of uh, collaboration. And so it's a, it's very bespoke Mm -hmm. and it's driven by the specific technology at hand, the business drivers, the technical plans for what are the parties actually going to be doing together and the economic terms. And so I think the key for the lawyers involved is that you really have to dive in and understand the technology and what research and development or other collaboration is being done in order to craft a deal and craft a a contract that reflects what the parties want to do so you know it's not just buying and selling an asset it's not um you know developing a small molecule that is just going to be then licensed to another party it's trying to reflect a complex set of new innovative uh, activities in a contract in a way that makes sense and the areas that i see the most focus on are areas like use of data use of the emerging technologies, what each party is bringing together in terms of the technology um, and what rights each party has in those. It's just a, a very bespoke set of intellectual property concepts to lay out these deals correctly.
0: This is such an exciting and rapidly changing area. If you look in your crystal ball, what do you see as the next emerging issues for this space in the next few years?
1: Well, I think that like I said, artificial intelligence is really at its exploding point. And I think it's going to start to permeate a huge number of deals that we see. The complicated thing about that, like you say, it is rapidly changing. And there's already this very complex regulatory overhang. As you know, there are data issues um, when you're using any kind of data. If it's health data, which many times it is, and you've got the PHI issues. You've got all kinds of FDA and other regulatory agency uh, focus on these issues. How do you, for example, handle clinical decision tools or when is a when is software or an app considered to be a medical device? There's just endless regulatory questions in this area that will continue to evolve. And so in the crystal ball, it's, I see change. I see continued change in the technology and innovation. I see continued change in the regulatory landscape, the legal landscape. And so fundamentally you have to have a team and, and lawyers who are keeping up on all the, the latest developments because I don't, I don't even think we can predict what's gonna be out there in five years given the rapid pace of change that we're seeing.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, it's such such an interesting area. I could really talk about this all day. Um, But we are running out of time, and I want to make sure that we get to my favorite part of the podcast, which actually has nothing to do with law, but gives us a chance just to get to know you a little bit better as a person. Um, So it's a lightning round. Quick questions, quick answers. So first, tell me a little about where you live and your family.
1: I live in Silicon Valley in a town called Redwood City. One fun fact about Redwood City is that the town slogan is climate best by government test. And I don't know when, probably, you know, 50 years ago when the government had nothing better to do. They literally surveyed every town in America to see what had the ideal climate. And Redwood City is number one, apparently. I, I do look outside and, and check and it's 72 and sunny. It feels like a frightening number of uh, of days.
0: Pretty but perfect. it's
1: a, it's a lovely town. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I, um, I have uh, three little kids, two,
0: four, and eight, who keep me uh, keep me busy and are tons of fun. Oh my goodness, you sound uh, like you have your hands full. What does a perfect weekend look like for you? Perfect weekend.
1: It's gonna be a slow-paced morning. Uh, kids will probably watch cartoons for an hour or two and then uh, rally the troops and go out for a hike probably in the hills somewhere. Um, and then in the afternoon and evening, usually we would have friends over and my husband loves to grill. So I love nothing better than eating outside on a warm day and, you know, invite friends over. So kids are running around together and adults get to actually just, you know, drink a glass of wine together on the
0: patio. Sounds like a pretty perfect weekend. That, that sounds pretty great to me. Uh, what are you reading right now?
1: You know, I have a problem, a personal problem. Maybe you can help me with later. But I have a really hard time reading fiction. I do read a lot of nonfiction. I don't know if it feels more productive, or, or I just can't handle the drama in fiction. But I like memoirs. I really love a good celebrity memoir, especially on audiobook when it's read by the author. So actually, I'm, I'm most of the way through Spare right now with oh. uh, Prince Harry. So that's, um, that's always a good conversation starter. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. That's on my list. I will have to work on you on the fiction part because I'm a former literature nerd. So we'll talk about oh, I that. I'll get all your recommendations. <laughs> great. Well, thanks, Megan, for taking the time. It has been great to chat with you. And for our audience, once again, this is the Ropes and Gray RNG Tech Studio podcast. It's available on the Ropes and Gray website on the RNG Tech Studio page. It's also linked and available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much.